Welcome to CRE Power Hour. My name is Lisa Marie Wand and my fabulous co-host Stephanie Gillison is here in spirit today. We have spent the last two decades growing and scaling our businesses and together we are bringing a new space for you to learn alongside the best in the real estate business at CRE Power Hour. Today, our guest speaker is Eric Harris, and we are so excited to have him on his show. We do have a live audience joining us today, so please drop your name in the chat and where you're from. We'd love to hear from you, and we welcome you to ask questions in the chat during our show. So let's get right to it. Hi, Eric. Thanks for being on our show today. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Glad. I'm going to give you a little intro here. Eric Harris is a co-founder and managing partner of Core Rep Commercial Real Estate Reps. We're based in Hotlanta in Atlanta, Georgia. Eric specializes in office and industrial leasing transactions, um, mostly over 5,000 square feet. And he also consults with tenants on site selection, lease negotiations, space integration, and identifying tenants tenant-focused fo lease options. That's easy for me to say, right? I'm a little tongue-tied. Really focus on supporting tenant, um, tenant and their businesses. So Eric, welcome, welcome. Tell us, tell us your story. Tell us, and we wanna hear all the good juicy parts too, right? So don't leave all the good stuff out. Um, tell us about how you got started in commercial real estate. You know, what's your jam? What do you love to do? Just bring us up to date. Maybe even tell us a little bit about the, the market in Atlanta. Now, remember, this is a national show, but it's right. good to touch on certain market markets. Gotcha, gotcha. We won't we won't bombard you with. So, uh, give us all the good specifics. Perfect. <laughs> well, uh, the story. You know, it's funny. I've heard the word "story" uh, quite a bit as of late, because it's what sets us apart, right? All right. Yes. So, uh, my story is that I started in sales probably when I was like thirteen. Okay. Were you selling cookies, or what were you doing? <laughs> I wish I was selling cookies. It was newspapers. I was, okay. I was a newspaper. I was a newspaper guy. So I realized that I liked kind of the freedom of doing that back then. But uh, my first my first gig, we'll call it, was a sales for a uh, office furniture group. Sold office furniture, and it was commercial office furniture. Uh, and I liked that. So it wasn't it wasn't the kind of place where you go pick up a couch, you know, a retail shop. It was a it was a they're, they're manufacturers that make all the desks and the furniture that go in office space. And so I did that. I is did that, that what got you years. interested in commercial real estate is all that office furniture? Were you like thinking big here? All day. So I used to chase Eric's. I go, hey, when you when you get somebody, call me and we can furnish it, right? So I'm running around buying cigars and rounds of golf and just whatever I could think of, you know, extravagant gifts to woo the brokers. And um, I had a good buddy. Uh, my good buddy, who is now my business partner, Tripp, uh, he was in furniture with me. We actually met in furniture. And, okay. Uh, we would go on these award trips and, you know, see it in Ireland or Hawaii, wherever we were at. And so we became friends. And at one point he got out of the industry and he went to real estate. Uh, and after about two years, he said, Eric, you got to get into this. Like you got to, you're built for this. And I had a couple companies then, and I said, nah, I'm good. I'm doing all right with furniture, and you know, I'm in a good lane. I can, I can see my path. Don't need to start anything new, because I was older at that point. Uh, oh, well, you were like, what? Because you're like 29 now, right? So, well, bring us into the commercial real estate. So you get into commercial real estate, like, 
what happened? Yeah. So I jump into commercial real estate and I go, this is, this is my jam. This is, I was built for this. Like, I love it. I love it. And so what I, what I enjoyed was that it was the same work that I was used to, but on a larger scale. So the work that we do as brokers, uh, if you don't think about the transaction, if you think about what it means to the community and all that kind of stuff, you know, yes. uh, then, it, you know, it's, it's got an impact, you know. So um, I really like that part of it because I've naturally coached people or done things to help others throughout my life. And so it just made sense to me. Oh, and then, by the way, you get a check every now and again, <laughs> right? Right. Hopefully. Paid for a job well done. Right, Eric. That's one of the things I love also about commercial real estate is the ability to have a positive impact on neighborhoods, communities, cities, counties, um, because what we do affects the infrastructure and also promotes local business and investment. So um, is that part of what gets you up every day in your commercial real estate business? Yeah, uh, I don't know if you're like me, but uh, I, I was never a person that could have the same day, the same day, the same day. So in real estate, you know, one day I'm wearing shorts and flip-flops because it's a tech company. You know, uh, I'm a bow tie broker, usually. Looking good, by the way. You know, I might, I might come out of this since, since it's more casual conversation. I might come out of this. On, do you have shorts on the bottom? No, no, fully, fully, full suits. <laughs> but um, I... Um, almost lose my train of thought here. I, 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 I did lose my train of thought. We were I, talking I, about just how, how we can have an impact for the greater good. Got it, got it. And if that's so, part of what break, you know, gets you going every day. And you were saying, you don't want to have the same day. You don't want groundhog day every day. Right. Exactly. So, so the beauty in that, thank you for getting me back. Um, uh, I can learn about different industries. So in order to best service uh, and assist the company, you got to learn what they do. So I can learn about these banks. Uh, I can learn about these tech companies. Uh, I get to learn the inner workings of a lot of different types of businesses. And then I get to learn how the little local governments and, you know, our, our government in general can assist them, you know, if the size is right, and depending on what the project is. So every day we get to sharpen the saw and learn real life experiences that just because we're doing real estate that you might not, you know, you might not know. Um, Do you have some good stories you can tell us? Like what's the, craziest thing you've ever done to get a listing or to help a client or some unique um, situation or client that you've run across in your business in Atlanta? You know, I've got well, you some juicy stories. I'll say, I'll say a unique good. Uh, no, I'll start with a unique bad. How about, is that okay? Can we share bad ones? Yeah, too? the good, the bad, the ugly. We're here to good, the bad, the ugly. So, so I don't know if I've got talk about ugly, it all. But, but a bad, uh, I remember when I got into real estate, I said, I'm going to take my sphere of influence or old clients and all that that I did furniture for, and I'm going to parlay them into uh, my real estate clients. But what I did not realize was the volume of the work that we do is a very expensive undertaking for these businesses. So I had four, five of my first contacts say, Eric, love you to death. You're great at the furniture, but this is our largest thing other than our human capital. Yeah. And you just, you haven't been doing it long enough. So I had to go through my learning to be able to go back to those groups. Um, but that was, that was one of those moments of learning of, you actually have to really know what you're doing in order to help these people. I just thought it was, yeah, we like Eric. We'll, we'll use Eric. Didn't work <laughs> like that. Not for the real estate, not for the real estate. Um, 
for for um, things that I've done to help people that has been interesting is like on occasion I work with a small company, okay. And as I'm talking to them, uh, many times I'll say, you know, what well, you're not ready for this yet. We'd love to help you, but you need to go out and get get your feet wet and a couple other things, and then come back to us when you're ready. But let me help you to learn how to swim quicker. And so I've learned about these different um, think tanks and these different um, grant writing processes and these different things that I can give that information and introduce them to a small business person. It's only got 10 people um, and it helps them to grow their business. And so I, I, the most recent one was a, was a, a athletic wear company that's national company, I mean, you sell nationally, um, but they were really working out of a very small space. And so I introduced them to a business consultant through me, through our group, um, that helped them with scalability. And so I really felt good about that because they had a great product already. So I'm interested to hear the rest of this story because they are ultimately going to grow to something much larger than where they're at. And through the introductions of uh, the development authority and these different groups, um, I'll feel like I had a part in their growth. So that's that's kind of a cheesy, cheesy but but heartfelt moment for me. I like it. I, I think people outside of our industry, because you know, commercial real estate transactions, whether it's purchase, sale, lease, um, it's not something that people do every day. Now we do that every day because we're in the industry, but it seems to me that when we're talking, I'm talking to new clients, you're talking to new clients, they don't realize how many people it it really it truly takes a village to have a commercial transaction move from start to finish. Um, so it's important for us as brokers, as trusted advisors to have our silent army, the people that work with us to help move these transactions forward. And that's a, you know, it's part of our business that maybe a lot of people don't, don't know about. So let's talk about what are, what are some of the challenges and what are some of the plus sides facing tenant rep uh, brokers in the office, because, you know, there's lots of news about office, and also in the industrial arena. Talk to right us now, about that. The, um, I guess I'll start with industrial. Industrial, um, I, I simply say it as industrial saved our industry over the past couple of years. I mean, it just kind of did with people going from uh, shopping in stores to shopping online, warehouses grew. Every, I think everybody knows that story. Um, and here in, uh, in the market, you'd have, that to I'm be, in, you'd have to be in a box, no pun intended, not to know that story, right? Right. And so what's been as a tenant rep, we pride ourselves on helping a client uh, 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 negotiate in terms that will help their business moving forward. It's not about today, right? Um, in specific to specific to my experiences in industrial as of late past couple of years, um, with industrial space having low vacancy and landlords being able to get top dollar, um, I've not felt as good at the end of a transaction for my tenants um, as I have in previously. Is that because it, you feel like you're not able to get them the best deal because it's become so competitive? Yeah, and, and so if, if, if previously we had 10 options, but today we've got three, right? Um, and they're all holding firm. 
um, what it what it has done is it's created an opportunity for us to either stretch out the conversations, you know, just try to try as much as you can. Um, but it's also limited our ability to get them the maximum amount of of tenant based terms that we can get. Not like yeah, it's definitely about being creative these days, isn't it? Um, yeah. yeah, negotiating things that maybe weren't the top negotiating terms in the past. And I agree with you, we're seeing longer initial terms on the lease. And then also the increases in my market, 3% was standard for a long time, sometimes less. Now yeah. we're seeing four or 5% um, increases on an annual basis, or sometimes even more frequently than that. Oh, so how so are you, you know, how are you, um, how are you positioning your clients in order to help them get, well, I mean, I guess maybe just getting the space at this point in industrial is a, is a bonus, right? Get the space, getting it is, getting it is, is the start, start, the start. So we are, uh, instead of just being able, you know, used to do a co-star search or ready search or whatever pro product you use, um, we now look for off-market stuff. Hey, when is something coming available? I, I see that you, I see that you're at uh, you've only got one space available. It doesn't meet our size, but do you have something in our size range that's coming available in the next 60, 90 days? Because this tenant's got flexibility. So we're making more initial calls, more initial contacts. Um, but more so than that, once we get going in the project in the deal, uh, that creativity is just, I mean. That creativity has been, it's fun because it's a learning, you know, it's a learning. So we've done everything on both industrial and on, uh, and on the office side, which is our focus um, from steps. You know, it's a, it's a 10,000 foot facility, uh, but the first year they pay for 6,500, you know, uh, to next year being 8,000 and then the third year being, you know, 10,000 or whatever those numbers are. Um, to get creative on the increases. Okay, let's, let's, we know you want 4% or 5%, but can we get it flat for the first two years? And then they'll agree to the other steps rather than trying to do it. And then the other part of that has been that we've got to create a more financial conversation with these tenants. because so we got to spell out all the options. Here's what it is. Here's what they're asking. Here's what it is flat with the with the four and five, here's what it would have been at three. So we're, we're giving them uh, models that are so many options. And we always hope that they can follow those models and not get, you know, just worn out on data. So that's a great tool because as brokers um, representing tenants, it's important that we can model what the cost of their lease is going to be over, over the lifespan of their tenancy. Um, so what are some of the most important tools that you could talk to our audience about today um, as far as representing tenants in general? Could be office, industrial? Well, um, as, as far as tools, as far as personal tools, my ears. Ooh, I like this. Tell me more. I start with my ears. Um, you know, I don't know if anyone else has this problem, but after you've done something for a while, you like you kind of think you know what you're doing and you might have a tendency not to listen because you think what's you think you know what's coming next right um but that's not always the case so um my biggest tool is that i listen i lost it for a while and i came back 
because I've got to have an understanding. <laughs> I've got to have an understanding of what you really need. Because it's, it's about the space, but it's not really about the space. It's about supporting your business, right? So how can I support your business? So I've got to find out where all your employees are coming from, what kind of employees you need, how, what's, what's tenant retention, what, what's employee attraction, what do all these things mean? And so I've had fun sitting people down to let them know that we'll get to We'll get to the space and how much it costs and all that. But right now I need to talk about you and listen to you so that I can identify your pain points, what's worked, what hadn't worked. Why do you need me? Like just, just question and answer session. And through that, we usually identify things that prove to be helpful through the negotiations and, the, and their tenancy wherever they end up. So my ears has been- Yeah, very- I love that. Well, you know that saying, God gave us two ears and one mouth. So we should be listening more And that's one of the things I I teach commercial real estate to agents across the nation. And that's one of the things we talk about is commercial real estate is unique in uh, as opposed to maybe residential real estate, because we're based purely on relationship. We're helping people with some huge decisions and some transactions, and it's very relational. So getting to know our client. And like you said, there people are motivated by either pleasure or pain. And so we need to find out what those pleasure and pain points are in order to best serve our client in the marketplace yeah. and create those longstanding relationships. Tell me yeah. about, let's talk about office. Um, you told me you, when we talked on the phone, you told me you loved office. So tell us about, tell us about um, what are you seeing as far as trends in office? And do you, uh, you know, there's been a lot of articles in the news about whether office is ever going to make a full comeback even about how, you know, the changes in interest rates and, you know, what's going on in the financial world are having an impact on that. Talk to me about it. Well, it's, it's, it's fun and exciting. Uh, and as you read data, there's so much out there that inevitably you'll find something that says, this is just an easy way to explain it. Something that's green about the state of the market and something that's red about the state of the market. You'll find differing opinions depending on how much you read. But in my, in my times of talking through this stuff, uh, my thought is that hybrid is here to stay. We all wanted that back in the day anyway, but hybrid is here to stay. Um, you know, if you read different reports, you'll see that 50% of companies want to make sure that they maximize hybrid. Uh, then you'll also see that 70% of companies want, want everybody back in the office. But from all of our conversation, because we, we will, I will ask uh, clients and, and folks that I meet, you know, how's your company doing it? You know, what are you doing? So we, we're here in, you know, three days a week, uh, um, touchdown spaces. Uh, in my specific market, um, we're getting companies that have reduced footprint in the headquarters, um, but then expanded into smaller touchdown offices out in the suburbs. And, um, my point to that is that we had to do something for a reduction for you. Um, in most cases, we had those options baked in up front to be able to allow them to reduce if they weren't at the end of their term. Um, but then it also gives us a transaction for the smaller space, you know, 3,000 feet out in another city um, that, that is easier for them to swallow because usually the parking's free or there's some amenities there that you don't have downtown in, in big, big city. So um, it's been fun. 
to see the change, but it's all circled around hybrid. Right so you're throwing out some terms. Well, let's clarify. So for hybrid, you're talking about some space in the office and some people working at home and a mixture yeah. of that, correct? Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, touchdown yeah. spaces are like kind of pods also where they have maybe a smaller um, central office and then they'll have smaller offices in geographical locations so that um, employees and clients and things can visit there. Yeah, yeah. And and specific to our market here. And I, I actually think this is probably nationwide, but I can speak to it in this market. Um, the co-working companies have benefited from these new touchdown offices or these satellite offices. Making me think about football season coming up with the touchdown. <laughs> I'll say satellite. I'll say, hey, I'm a Steelers fan. So born and raised I won't in Pittsburgh. hold that against you, Eric. That's all right, that's all right. I'll send you a shirt. <laughs> Uh, but these satellite offices, a lot of them have, because the companies don't really, some companies don't know how it's going to work for them. Um, mm -hmm. We've recommended many times, let's have, let's start at a, uh, let's start at a co-working place. There's one yeah. in your area, if there is one, mm -hmm. um, and give it a shot. And then once your numbers get to a point where it just doesn't make financial sense, then you can get a space that you can control. So um, okay. Well, let's work. switch gears. Let me ask you, I'm going to ask you a few more questions, Eric, and picking your brain. What's the best advice you've ever received? I had a, I had a wise broker at one point that said, you know, ultimately your goal is for when people think of real estate, commercial real estate, that they think of you. That's it. Just that simple. So what does that mean? That means you've got to do all the small things that it takes to be on top of mind. And, and when this gentleman, when this broker presented it, he had a drawer, he had a little file cabinet there and he had a drawer there. And in the top of that drawer was a bunch of pens and pencils and stuff. And he said, look, you don't want them to throw you in the junk drawer. And then he shut <laughs> the drawer and he shut the drawer. That's a visual, I'm a visual guy. Uh, and that made sense to me. So um, at that point, it was remember Eric. And that might have been what spawned my, what I think is personal branding. Um, the bow tie the broker. Bow, bow tie broker, and you know, always out and about. Um, uh, I'm, I'm heavy on networking. Um, so what I'll do you mix. do? What do you do based on this great advice that this broker gave you years ago to? Yeah. Um, you know, for people to remember you and, and associate you when they think of commercial real estate, to think about you, how have you achieved that? For, for the people listening, what are the things that you've done over time that have been successful at keeping you top of mind in your market? All right, I got a question for you before I answer that. If you ever received a call from somebody and they didn't want anything, they just go, hey, how's it going, Lisa Marie? Just checking in, just want to say hi, I hadn't seen you in a while, how's it going? How are well, you I do those. That? My people in my office and, and myself, we specifically do those. And one of my favorite questions is, how can I support you? Right, right. So, so to get back to the answer for me, it is just making sure that I keep in touch with people, not because there's a project. It's the simplest thing. It's the simplest thing. But when I check in, I hopefully I've done my diligence to say, how is your oldest daughter doing at school? How is the youngest son doing? You know, 
How was your birthday? How was your trip? How was it? So, so, so you have a database, you have a CRM, don't you? And you put information in there because our, our CRM is only as good as the data we put in. So it sounds to me like you document everything. Yeah, yeah, I've got, and I'm one of those scribble people, right? Uh, so I I've, I've keep a book with me at all times. Mm -hmm. And then I transfer that stuff uh, into the CRM. And we're actually at our firm, we're switching CRMs right now. So I'm looking forward to cleaning up the database and getting the new fresh one. Um, oh gosh, yeah, that's a pain up. point. We we just switched over a couple of months ago to Agent Hub, and uh, which is a very robust CRM. Um, focused on commercial real estate and um, learning the new CRM and how to best use it and create all kinds of fun functions and cool stuff. Um, so what else do you do? So you make these care calls, I call them care calls or touch calls. Yeah. Um, how often do you do those? And you know, how many people do you have in your database for you specifically? Well, for me, uh, just because of the way I'm built, I've got to schedule stuff. I have to schedule it. Yeah, so time got, block, right? Secret to the universe. Block. I have a time block. So I block out in the morning. Uh, we have a call with the, the other agents um, and me and my partner. We, we talk in the mornings at 8. And then after that, from 8.30 until about 10, I'm making these calls or I'm making cold calls, one or the other. Um, and a lot of times I'll take a Monday or I'll take a Friday. And those will be my, what you call, touch calls, um, yeah. my care calls. That's when I'll do those because you're just coming back. You're fi figuring out what you want to do for the week. I found that a lot of times people say, hey, thanks for, you know, I was just thinking about you or thanks for checking in. Um, let's get together for lunch in a couple of weeks. I get, get all caught up. Um, during the pandemic, uh, that we're still in, but uh, during the meat of that pandemic, it was, hey, let's schedule a Zoom call. Uh, I just want to, you know, see if you still look the same. I mean, it's been- I had Zoom-itis. I think, you know, I spent my days for like three months because so many deals fell out with financing just because everybody didn't know what was going to happen tomorrow, right? right. I spent three months on the phone doing care calls from my, from my home office. And sometimes people wanted to talk for 30 seconds. Sometimes they wanted to talk for 45 minutes. And then next thing you know, you're on Zoom all day. Yeah. So walk me through a cold call. Let's say that you are looking to, you know, find some more tenants to represent. Talk, talk us yeah. through what a cold call looks like for you. Well, for me, it might be a little different. We do a little research first. Uh, okay. I'm not a I'm not a phone burner. That's not I'm not built like that. my partner is a phone. He burns them up. I yeah. mean, just boom, like like. But would you research, down. let's say, for example, an office building, a, a multi-tenant office building, and then and then you do your research, and then what? So I'll do that. Do that research, and when I get to, when I get to the right contact, I try to see if I've got a connection on LinkedIn, okay, or through some other way, so that I've got something of non-commercial real estate value to talk about with them um, that might catch their attention because I don't know about your market, but they might get a lot of calls from real estate brokers. So um, do you talk to them about um, the Steelers or volleyball? So, so, or? So I'll, yeah, I'll start, I'll start with some kind of soft conversation, I'll call it, a soft conversation, uh, you know, and even if it's on their profile, say I, say I was reaching out to you and I see your profile and I like the necklace you've got on. I say, hey, just reaching out. You have this wonderful necklace on your profile. Love to find out more because I do blah, blah, blah. And then I'll, I'll roll into some kind of conversation. But I usually pick something that might be of interest, that is of interest to me, uh, and then try to create common ground. Because in my world, the transactions will be there. It's not cool just to call when there's a transaction. So I, I'm one of those rapport building people. 
So do you think though, you know, for me, like if I was representing tenants and if that was my main focus, I might um, target an office building and just call and say, hey, you know, I'm a commercial real estate broker um, specializing in, in, you know, I live in Reno. So specializing in helping businesses in Reno, Nevada. I'm calling to check if you're going to be, um, you know, if your lease is going to be up soon, if I can help you find additional space, you know, right-size your business or expand, um, you know, see how I can support you with that upcoming move. Yeah, we have those. We have those transaction calls. We have, um, uh, there will be times when I was, because I, I mix it up. There will be times when I will lead with, hey, I'm just trying to verify some information. I see that your lease is up in 18 months. Hopefully you started the process already so that you can get out in front of this. Tell me about your notice period and then I'll stop. Like I'll stop and wait for them to say something. So I'll give them a bit of a lead in that says you should be doing something right now. Um, and we usually will pick uh, three years and less uh, for cold calls. Okay. Uh, I like I'm to, sorry. I mean, I like to, you know, people are always loving to love to see role play. So I was, I was wanting to have you kind of walk us through a call, but how about this? Um, tell us, walk us through what a successful day for is for you as a uh, commercial real estate broker. Give us the fast forward version of a successful day for you. A successful day is uh, getting up at my morning meeting, start with my coffee, and then uh, making my cold calls to start the day. My cold calls or my, or my um, care calls, as you call them. As long as I've gotten that out the way, I'm good to go. From there, I try to schedule revenue generating uh, appointments throughout the day. So if I'm coming to meet with someone, it should be for a transaction. If it is a uh, networking call or networking event or something like that, I try to save that for after hours. And personally, I like to have that either in the morning, 7.30, or you know, after 4.35. So I try not to do the networking during that day. We, we like to maximize our generating. So a successful day for me is to make those calls, make sure I get the kids off to school, make those calls, um, and then hit at least three appointments. I like to have at least three appointments. Hopefully one of them is a tour. Hopefully one of them is a tour. But if not, it's, it's a, it's a follow-up call that leads to a tour because whatever I'm doing, I'm trying to think ahead to the next thing, not just that moment. But what does, what does this call represent and what's the next call? Or what does this meeting represent and what's what does that lead into? So uh, a successful day, maybe to summarize would be to move forward, whoever I'm talking to, to the next event mm -hmm. um, and to make sure that I filled my day with revenue generating opportunities. Oh yeah, the, I call those the high payoff activities. Yeah. So the more time we spend on those, the better. Um, we have some questions here on CRE Power Hour that we like to ask our guests when we have time. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, uh, I'm gonna throw these at you now. You ready? Right. Batter up. Yes. <laughs> bring it, bring it. What, Eric, what, Eric Harris, what is your secret sauce in commercial real estate? Uh, it's rare I hear my whole name. I want the uh, recipe, buddy. Give uh, it to secrets, me. Hey, my secret sauce is I'm just authentic. You know, I'm myself. Uh, I, I am the bow tie broker for a reason because I like bow ties. Um, I like to talk about things with my clients that are um, more life conversations than they are transactional. And because of that, I get to know who I'm talking with um, more so than those particular transactions. So, so my secret sauce is being authentic and learning 
about the people that I'm talking with. You know, so because uh, when I was younger, it was transaction, bang, 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 just transaction. Um, but uh, as I have become a fine wine, I have realized that <laughs> I like that. There's me. You're not vintage, are you, Eric? No, I don't think so. No. <laughs> you tell me. Um, but I found out that uh, the, the meaningful parts of the conversations are are um, are the ones that are more heartfelt, not about the transaction. And I can I can prove that almost because I'll get a call from someone that said, you know what, we have a a new office that we want to open. And you came to mind. So that leads back to the whole, when someone thinks of commercial real estate, they think of you because they don't, they're not thinking about the transaction at that point, but they go, I've got, a, I've got a question. Who do I call Eric? So that means you're there. You're the source of the source for them. You may, you may not be, you may refer them to someone, but they're coming to you, which is a, it's a great compliment um, for people to reach out to you when they have a question about anything, you know, business or commercial real estate related. So that's a sign that you're doing some lots of things right. That's awesome. So congratulations. Thanks. And um, mm -hmm. what advice would you have for people in the commercial real estate industry to grow their business and become more successful in the next six to 12 months? What do you recommend? Uh, scalability. It's not just for, uh, you know, industrial clients, scalability. Um, what you want to do, my thought is it's a focus, okay? I learned this early on, um, and I'll lead into this answer. I say focus because I started my career not focused. I started by accepting any opportunity that was coming my way, right? Yeah, yeah I can do that, I can do that, I can do that. It's, it's CRE. Um, but after a while, you realize, I don't like that type of business, or I don't like that size of business, or I don't do well with that type of client. Um, and so if you focus on a vertical uh, office or industrial or retail or medical or whatever it is that you have an interest in, um, something that you've got to learn about, focus on that vertical. You might focus on size. Some people say, well, I kind of like a little medical. I like a little bit of industrial. Um, but I only like to work on projects that are 15,000 feet or 50,000 feet and up. So then you, then you learn uh, about that size business in whatever industry you're talking to so that you can be a, a resource and an expert and an advisor versus someone that can just find some space, right? Um, you've got to learn your market. So, you know, there will be times when, because it, uh, construction changes the, the landscape of your city and everybody knows that, but um, it's good to be able to walk into a meeting, especially if it's a, a first pitch, um, and say, look, in the area you're looking in, there are 229 office buildings. You know, 50 of them are class A, so those expensive ones. Uh, another 30 of them are, you know, class B, and the rest of them are class C. And uh, the average rate is $27 or whatever that rate is uh, in your market. And then you can explain to somebody that I know the market. I know the buildings. I know the landlords. I know the brokers. Um, I can help you through this process if you would like. So what I've heard you say so far, it, the, the key to being, you know, growing your business and being successful is focus, which is so important. Mm -hmm. I talked to so many agents that they just don't even know what direction to go in because we yeah. have so many options in commercial real estate. Yeah. And then knowing your market, which is very important. Yeah. Um, if you're focusing on a specific geographical area, knowing that, or if you're focusing on a specific asset class, even if that's nationally, 
to understand what's happening in that vertical market you were talking about. Yep, yep. What yep, else? Yeah, gotta, gotta specialize, you know. And then the other part of that is you've, you've got to just become the expert. All that stuff we've mentioned, you've gotta become the expert where people will, will, will come to you. So when you talk to somebody and they say, well, you know, I work with um, one of these three letter or four letter companies. That's okay. That's okay. Um, if you we haven't know, had any four letter words today, we've been keeping it clean. <laughs> no, I've got a, I've got a big old sign here that says keep it keep it PC, Harris. So, <laughs> oh, uh, behave. <laughs> oh, behave. So um, I, I I tell people because they'll come to me, and I'll say that's fine. Um, but you know, if you need a second opinion, like when you go to the doctor, you don't really but you know not sure what they're saying, you don't understand it. Um, feel free to reach out. Feel free to reach out. And so what I've done is become a secondary uh, option for those that already have an option. Um, and what I can do is just confirm or deny things that are in the right way, uh, confirm or deny things that they're looking at. And so it helps them make them more comfortable. And then when, I, when, you, when you do stuff like that, it's kind of like paying it forward. You know, if you don't have a transaction, well, try to offer something that will make them maybe return to you. And so by offering some advice- you, you give know, out you, donuts or what do you do? <laughs> I give out advice. I advise. <laughs> I advise them uh, on, on this is a good opportunity. They're giving you the right direction. Or um, this is, I usually say there's the goods first. It's a good opportunity, but some things to focus on to make it even better or whatever, you know, whatever, the, whatever that term might be or the, the option that might need to be looked at differently. So- that has helped me, people to come back to me in 12 months or two years and say, I remember you helped me at a pain point uh, a couple of years ago. Hopefully you remember me. Uh, I've got something coming up. Can I help you? And, and so again, it's building, building relationships um, and showing that you're the expert in the area. And it, it just helps. I mean, it just helps. That's it's awesome. not an immediate payoff. Yeah, this is this is a fast paced business that but there is a ramp up period to it, you know, definitely the deal cycle can be longer and building those relationships can take time. We're, um, we're wrapping up the show, Eric, is there any sage advice or humor or uh, mic drop that you'd like to leave us with today. I don't have a mic drop just, um, you know, as a, as a broker as an agent be you know what you're good at know what you're not good at if you don't like paperwork delegate it, right? Just don't, you're going to waste your time doing something you don't like and you won't get the benefit of enjoying being a broker and an agent. So do you, um, which is do the things that you like to do or that you're good at and then delegate the rest and it'll all get done in a timely fashion and you will benefit uh, immensely from it. Yeah. I love the fact that you said that because I'm a well, I, I leverage in my business and I'm a big proponent of it. It helps success. If they're stay in your lane, like you said, be authentic, be genuine, um, come from value and, and be yourself, do what you're good at and yeah. don't spin your wheels trying to, you know, create a newsletter or some sort of a process for something. If that's not, you know, if that's not your wheelhouse, yeah, yeah. <laughs> leverage, leverage, leverage. That's great. Eric Harris, we have dropped your contact information in the chat while we were talking today. Thank you so much for being our guest. Um, I can't wait to come visit you in Atlanta. And I'm going to think about you every time I see a snazzy bow tie. Um, thank you, Eric Harris, the bow tie broker. 
And thanks for joining us on CRE Power Hour. We do have our podcast on Spotify and we have our live show on YouTube at CRE Power Hour. Please like and follow us. And we have our show every second and fourth Wednesday of every single month at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So we'll see you in a couple of weeks, everybody. Have a great day.